30 and Nerdy Podcast is presented by Advertising Expressions. With so many ad specialties available, there is a huge opportunity for professionals like yourself to boost ROI and leave a lasting impression with your customers. Our mission is to help you create long-lasting relationships with your clients through the power of promotional products by getting your name in front of as many people as possible for as long as possible. We can help you today. Call Advertising Expressions, the place that the nerds use, at 423-586-3270. Ask for Zach and tell them the 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome to a very special episode. A, we haven't done one of these in a while, but hey, first of all, you're here at the 30 Nerdy Podcast. I'm your host with the most hotter than French toast coming at you coast to coast. That's right. The Duke of Nerds. The Captain of Content. The Sweet Tea of the Nerdy South. Tyler Mack. And joined by the co-host, the Doctor of Nerdonomics. He's freshly squeezed. The Juicy One. Feeling a little oozy one, getting a little loosey one, Dr. Davis. What's up, Doc? Hey, man. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. You know, it's uh, it's Independence Day. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Hope you are safe. And happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, you old so-and-so. That is America. Good on you. Age looks great on you. 20, uh, 23 <laughs> looks great on America. 23? No, I said 2023. 2023 oh. looks great on America. I say, I think we're getting close. We're a lot um, older than 23. No, no, no. We are far older than 23. We act 23 sometimes, but we're far older than 23. <laughs> it's Independence Day. We hope that you all are being safe first and foremost, enjoying your family time or how I want you to wake up tomorrow with all of your fingers intact. Yes, yes. Back up, Terry. Back up, Terry. Back up. So uh we are doing a little special here. We uh we've actually this has kind of been a few years in the making. We've always talked about talking about this movie because it's a it's a pop culture icon. And now we will talk no more. And now Except we for when no we talk about it, about the movie, then we, we don't yes, talk because we've but done then the we'll thing. we'll stop talking about talking about it because yeah. we're now talking about it. And we talked and we did it. And we did. We did the talking. So we are taking this, this Independence Day as an opportunity to talk about the movie Independence Day. Also known as ID4. ID4. We're just going to do an old school, old fashioned, 30 and nerdy breakdown on independence day yeah i mean it's it's a holiday it's our mm-hmm. gift to you it is this it is. discussion on independence day i mean i love this movie do you know anyone mm. who doesn't love this movie it's a great movie who doesn't love this movie yeah has anyone ever been like yeah i don't like independence day i have honestly never heard anybody speak ill will of independence day i don't think maddie loves it but she doesn't hate it i know most people hate the sequel I am one of them. Yes. But I will say I've only seen it one time. If you do uh, like a back-to-back, like watch the first one and then watch the second one, you like the sequel a little better. Okay. It's almost like that. Oh, yeah, it's 25 years later. Yeah. And Now that I've refreshed on this one, maybe I'll give it another mm-hmm. shot. We'll see what happens. I'll report back on that next time. I will tell you, though, as I said to you off air, I hate, I dislike 
this that sequel, Independence Day 2, a lot less than I dislike a lot of other sequels that have happened. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sequels out there. I'm like, you should never have done this. Independence Day 2, I can kind of stomach. Is it great? No, it's not. But I could do it if I'm doing like a one and a two thing. Well, and I Did think make also, a three? absolutely not. If you're waiting for something for 20 something years or however long mm-hmm. it was between the first one and the second one, that's a lot of anticipation. That's a lot oh, of build yeah. up. And I mean, people remember this one so fondly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Going to be hard to, to meet those expectations. So absolutely. Before we dive into it though, uh, thank you for, for the, the outreach, the sharing, the listens, all that. There is a, a before this, we had released an episode last Friday. Uh, it was all about talking about Disney as a park, my experience there, and talked a little bit about that. We talked about the amazing event that is Fanboy that is coming up. And then we talked about The Flash. Uh, so if you've seen The Flash or if you haven't seen it and you're not going to see it, you can still listen to it. Find that episode wherever you cast your pod, 30 and 30 podcast. Uh, but just got to, st- we, we have to say something about Fanboy again in this episode. We're literally days away from a massive event that is Fanboy Expo in Knoxville. The stars are coming out to Knox Vegas. You should be there too. We're going to be there. Uh, it's That is this weekend, July 7th through the 9th. We'll be there. A lot of people are going to be there. Get your tickets. Come see us. Come hang out with us. And uh, you'll get to to meet some amazing stars while you're at it. Wrestlers, so. voice actors, Lord of the Rings uh, mm. stars, Cobra Kai stars are going to be there. I mean, this is going to be, be huge. a huge show. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be spectacular. Just be there. Let's dive into this movie. Welcome to Earth, nerds. So Independence Day, also known as ID4, uh, this film was released July 3rd, 1996, just in time for Independence Day on theme. Would have been weird if it was released like Thanksgiving and it was titled (laughs) Independence Day, right? Uh, But it was directed by Roland Emmerich uh, and written by Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. And they are the team behind movies like The Patriot. Mm Mm-hmm and um, Universal Soldiers, Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, This movie, I was astonished to learn, had a budget of $75 million, and that's in 1996. I mean... Wow. With inflation today, that's a $200 million movie. That's that's If not more. That's a lot of dough. Yeah. But at the box office, it hit 817.4 million dollars i think it's like in the top 20 highest grossing mm-hmm. films of all time like still 15 to this or day. 16 or something like still that to this day baby top 20 movie what's your experience with this movie like i have watched it a lot i told you today uh before we recorded that this is a movie that i watch multiple times a year because i said in our last recording it is what i call a uh, a comfort movie yeah you know bad day it's ugly out can't go do anything or if i've got a headache or you know if i just need to blow off some steam and just kind of like veg out most people would watch stupid comedies like super bad or tropic thunder no i watch things like independence day twister jaws lake placid movies like that nothing like seeing millions of people obliterated by aliens or yeah. by sharks or tornadoes uh, to make you feel comforted absolutely it makes me feel better about my day i guess I'm like it, well Tyler, i guess that's it good could logic be actually worse <laughs> that's great logic it could absolutely be worse uh we watched it a lot i can't necessarily say I have a memory of seeing it in theaters i was only 7 yeah, i definitely did not um i don't know my first memory of a movie theater was sitting on my mom's lap watching Titanic. Yeesh. And that was mid-90s. So I don't think this is one, but I do remember we watched the hell out of our VHS of it. Mm-hmm. We, wa- we, we would quote it. I mean, mom, mom was, mom was my, my cinephile friend. Like, 
she was who introduced me to this world of of movies. Dad's not a movie watcher. He's just not. Nolan and Peyton really aren't movie watchers the way we are. But me and mom were movie watchers. Like every night, almost, even on school nights, like after dinner, we would be watching a movie of some sort, whether it's her. And I mean, I got introduced young to a lot of movies. Like, I know I make the joke, like I was wait, I was like seven or eight years old when I saw The Exorcist. But I also was introduced to movies like Last of the Mohicans, Dances with Wolves, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams, all of those classic movies from the 90s with my mom. Yeah. And this was one of them. We watched a in a year. We would watch it multiple times because of my mom. She would just put it in. So and I think that's why I have the comfort movies that I have is because they were hers. What about this one specifically do you feel like makes it so enjoyable? Like we've both seen it multiple times. Obviously, you've seen it more than me, but I've seen it a lot. I mean, this is one of those like when I first started a DVD collection when I was mm. younger mm-hmm. and I was like able to go out shopping and spend my own money and stuff. And I started this like this was one of the movies that mm-hmm. I had that I watched a lot. Um, and I think I remember. I had I was one of those I was a PC gamer. So I would play on my PC and have the TV going and Mm. like whatever came on, came on because I didn't have cable or satellite in my bedroom. I had the little bunny ears or whatever. So I was usually watching like uh, WB, which is now CW or whatever. Mm. It was channel 20. And so sometimes they would do like a big movie on a Saturday evening or something like that. And I think I was a kid and this was the movie that came on. So I kind of watched it while I was playing my games and i was like wow this movie is awesome so mm-hmm. then i sort of got drawn into it but what about this movie do you think makes it one of those that like we can watch over and over again and still love it i think it's the it's a mixture of the cast and the quotability of it yeah i mean the cast is star-studded um and that was for 90s standards yeah like even looking today in 2023 those same names are star-studded yeah you know goldblum will smith Bill Pullman, Vivica A. Fox, like they're stars still. So, and I mean, Brent Spiner and, and our nerd culture, you know, he was, he was data. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, and he's still to this day data. So, um, I think it was a mixture of the stars, the quotability and aside from star Wars and like alien, it was, it was kind of, our grasp at the science fiction because star wars wasn't ours you know it came before us yeah alien kind of came before us a little bit so this was not as scary as alien it was a little bit more of a sci-fi that we could grasp on to you know it was it was also a mixture of like it took from star wars the the fighting and the shooting and the space battle and all that stuff, those fights, it took from those classic 90 movies, Jeff Goldblum as, a, as an actor, Bill Pullman, those names put them in this science fiction movie with some of our first grasp at digital effects. Yeah. You know, some things we had never seen before. For 1996, I mean... God, it looks great. I mean, to this day, I think it looks yeah. great. I just watched it, you know, like 24 hours ago. Um, and I enjoyed it just as much as I mm-hmm. did the last time I saw it or the time before that, just like what you said. I mean, it does borrow from all this, like, like the big battle at the end with the, the mothership, uh, by the mothership you know, mm-hmm. that is such a good sequence. That whole yeah. scene is so exciting. And the storytelling they do like, you know, with Russell or the president flying towards it. Oh, well, this is it. He's going to release the mm-hmm. missiles and this is going to be it. This is how we win. Oh, oh. but there's, there's a malfunction. malfunction. The missiles aren't going to fire. What are we going to do? I was like, I know what happens, but I'm feeling this you're tension. Still, like, yeah, I was like right. on the edge of my seat. What are we going to do? This um, is how we die. Yeah. And it borrows like from, it's like that stereotypical thing in disaster movies. Like the disaster happens our ensemble cast of characters, some of them survive, some of them mm-hmm. don't. And in the end, they all come together and they find mm-hmm. a way to survive or win or whatever the goal may be. 
Um, and this cast, like you said, like Will Smith is so much fun to watch, especially mm-hmm. like in the nineties when he was really, I want to say in his prime, but I don't know that that's really the right way to word it. Cause he's done a lot of great things since yeah. then, but, um, young Will Smith was just so entertaining. There was something about him. Yeah. And he, really right hadn't, of- and he really hadn't been no pun intended abducted by Hollywood yet. Right, because his claim to fame primarily at that point had been Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which he was kind of coming off of that right Mm -hmm. when they were doing this movie. That was around the ending of Mm -hmm. of Fresh Prince. So definitely a household name. Um, Well, it felt like um, when they all are finally coming together, our ensemble at, at Area 51 also gave you that feel of when everyone comes together for the meeting before the Death Star attack. Yeah, like they're all so. they're they're all like okay we're all together now we've got a plan here we and go. it's it's and it's a snowball's yeah, chance it's a snowball's I mean, it's chance. really it's hopeless but what else can we do yeah yeah but it's our last exactly. ditch effort and that speech still to this day unbelievable i put bill pullman's speech up there with like aragorn's speech in return of the king like it's one of the greatest speeches in in cinema it really is like, oh, it just amps you up. And uh, what I found sort of amazing, like I loved the president the most, I think, watching it this past time. And we'll get into all this stuff. But mm. like before Will Smith was always my favorite character. He was the one that I was rooting for the most. The young stud hero, you know, mm-hmm. now as an older man. The president, president. Yeah. And um, I just felt his story so mm-hmm. much and enjoyed him so much but we're going to get into all yes that. we are absolutely going to get into all that so we tyler and i have watched this movie uh refreshed our memories on it mm-hmm. and we've got a little summary here thank you so much wikipedia and contributors <laughs> to wikipedia uh for this summary uh we don't like to just sit and read stuff to you a lot of times, but it's just the, the best way to go through the plot of this movie. Make sure we don't miss anything. And we're just going to sort of talk about our thoughts as we go. And maybe a couple of things we've learned, little uh, pieces of uh, nerdledge mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't know. Yeah. All right. So let's get started. On July 2nd, 1996, two whole days before Independence Day, an extraterrestrial mothership enters Earth's orbit and deploys saucers, and each of these saucers are 15 miles in diameter over major cities worldwide, including New York City, Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C. U.S. Marine Captain Stephen Hiller, played by Will Smith, of course, and his unit, the Black Knights Fighter Squadron out of MCAS El Toro, are called back from Fourth of July leave to defend Los Angeles. And this is before they even knew for sure that the aliens were going to be a threat. Yeah. So his girlfriend, Jasmine Dubrow, which is uh, Vivica Fox, decides to Mm. flee the city with her son, Dylan. Now, okay, the kid. What do you know this kid from? Because I was like, this kid, yes, exactly. He's Buckley. he, He was also on some episodes of Fresh Prince. Uh, Yes, he was on Fresh Prince, which is why he got this part what his name was but yeah he had Um, a relationship with will and uh he was also in some episodes of full house he was just one of those kids that you saw on stuff in the Mm -hmm. 90s Mm -hmm. so anyway uh retired combat pilot russell case now an alcoholic single stepfather and crop duster sees this as vindication of the alien abduction he has been claiming for years poor russell man randy quaid who just before, like I knew he was um, Dennis Quaid's brother and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but I've never thought they looked like each other one bit. I've never thought they resembled, but I've really, you know, looked at him closely this time and I can see it now. Do you think but, they talk to each other like normal well, brothers do? Why not? Why wouldn't they? I was just wondering, like, I don't know. I don't know anything. They, about they had two life. different total walks of life and, and Hollywood. You know, Dennis a little bit more successful, yeah. but I'd have to say Randy just as successful in his own little world. I mean, he's Eddie from the vacation movies, probably one of the most quotable characters in all of the vacation movies, especially yes. Christmas vacation. 
he's sort of always playing that crazy guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas Dennis Quaid is like the handsome, like love interest leading guy, you know, the parent trap dad yeah. and all that stuff, the charming, whatever. And then poor uh, Randy Quaid is like <laughs> the comedic, the crazy, ugly guy. Yeah. Yeah. Bless his heart. But I, my thought in watching some of his first scenes, you know, the poor guy, like he crop dust the wrong field and yeah. his stepkids are embarrassed by him and there's these bullies coming into the diner he's sitting there like nursing his hangover Mm -hmm. and these dudes come in these their mechanics or something and they have nothing better to do than just sit there and mess with this guy Mm -hmm. who's lost his wife he's clearly got problems whatever and my thought was like man and the part of the world that we live in right now we know people just yeah. like these dudes mm-hmm. literally just like them mm-hmm. and they would absolutely that do way, what treat they're doing. people that way and it's just like they're i know and you just want to like be in the movie and just like stand up and be like dude back off you feel so low about yourself that you gotta make fun of, of russell over here i just i'm so fascinated with how like as we have matured and become adults how we relate to movies differently and like Mm. we look at things with a real life aspect things just like that like the way Mm -hmm. people treat each other and the people that i have seen treated in this way you know Mm -hmm. i don't know it just really stuck with me watching it this time through one person we uh glazed over is one of the black knights uh hillard's hillard's best friend harry connick jr harry connick jr and i just noticed something watching it this time that i didn't ever think about before was he supposed to be from the south was he doing a southern accent he was doing a southern accent and his nickname was the The reverend yes i know that like just wants to tell y'all why we are here Amen, Reverend. I think he's trying to do like a Georgian Southern accent thing. Yeah, just like in his normal speech. Yeah, yeah. I'd never ever come across that before. Never yeah. thought about it. Never noticed it. Yeah, I think I think he's from like Georgia or Mississippi or something. Easily, or he's trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so where were we? All oh, right, so uh, in New York City, technician David Levinson. The one and only uh, Jeff Goldblum uh, uh, decodes a signal embedded within global satellite transmissions, realizing it is the aliens countdown for a coordinated attack. Checkmate. With help from his ex-wife, White House communications director, Constance Span- Spano? Spano? Spano, David and his father, Julius, played by <laughs> Judd Hirsch. Mm. They reach the Oval Office and alert President Thomas Whitmore, the one and only bill pullman okay so judd hirsch do you know him from anything stills the movie taxi of course well yeah taxi easily he played leonard's dad in the big bang theory yes he did recently hooked up with uh sheldon's mom allegedly allegedly that is, that is not confirmed allegedly. it's not confirmed but it's a legend it is a um legend. judd hirsch for me stills this movie uh i mean will's great bill's great Russell's great, but for me, it's all the scenes with Judd Hirsch. Uh, and the sequel's that way, too, for me. Uh, and that might be why I don't hate the sequel as much as most people do, is because Judd Hirsch, again, has fantastic lines and great moments. And I was just like, my David, my David, my David. I love to listen to Jewish folks who, who had to do all the Yiddish stuff. Yeah. I love to listen to them. So I could listen to them for hours. Oh, because he's a schlemiel? Why'd you got Like the way he just like throws out all these slang terms. What? Do you like, think what? they know something you don't know? You think you know something they don't know? Oh, you're going to educate oh, them? Oh, you're going to educate them, David. David. They, ahead, David. they have people who know these things. David. Don't call her David. I uh, still love there, I think. <laughs> yeah. And uh, his, uh, David's uh, assistant or the guy under him is none other than Harvey Firestein. 
Oh, Feinstein. Crap. Yeah, uh, the original Edna Turnblad on Broadway for Hairspray. He's in I Mrs. Doubtfire. I have to call my mother. He's in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. He's, She's an old woman. Be he's careful. a voice in M- Mulan. He's the soldier's like, listen here. Yeah. Listen I here, what I'm fighting for. Yeah. Yeah. He's hilarious. A vintage classic voice that you always recognize, no matter what the movie is. Did, so there's so many people also like I've spotted so many like little parts that people had that I know from other things like mm-hmm. um, Arnold's dad from the Wonder Years. Did you notice yeah. him? He yeah. was one of the generals or something in the mm-hmm. beginning. I don't know his name. I don't know his character's name, but the there was a guy who was like asleep and he woke up to all this crazy stuff going on and he was in the mummy like he was some sort of priest guy in the mummy. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And then we've got Robert Loja. Robert Loja. What is his character's name in this? He's like a He's like an admiral. Big time or well, is the no, he's the, general. He's the he might be the Secretary of Defense. He's he's something. Um, but. but Robert Lozier to me has always been like a combination of George C. Scott and Clint Eastwood. Oh, I can see that. With a little bit of with, with red hair. <laughs> the main thing that I think of is that old family guy yeah. cut away. Yeah, this is worse than the time I got stuck behind Robert Loja at the airport. How do you spell Robert Loja? R as in Robert Loja. O as in, oh my oh God, my God it's, it's Robert, Robert Loja. Loja. Yeah. <laughs> B as in, by God, that's Robert Loja. <laughs> <laughs> but he's good. He's just got that classic, like, Mr. President, I think we should fire at him. I thought he was great in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, he was one of those characters that I didn't really pay a ton of attention to. Um, and before he died, early on, he makes a cameo in the sequel. He did. He he's being given some sort of mm-hmm. reward, yeah. award uh, at a thing at the, at the Capitol, and mm-hmm. he makes a little cameo. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah, the legend, so, President Thomas Whitmore, uh, was the character that I was rooting for the most. And I spoke to you earlier today and we talked a little bit about this and I said, it reminds me of another family guy thing, but every time that I watch something that I know really well, or I think I know really well, and I haven't seen it in several years as it, now that I'm grown and I'm more mature and I have a child I see mm. things from a different lens than I did before. Mm. And I feel things a different way and things hit me a different way than they ever did before. And there's a whole episode on family guy where like Brian finds out that he has a kid and he's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. If, if this happened to Dylan, I don't know what I would do. Well, when you become a father, when you have children of your own, then you'll understand. It's like making fun of parents who act that yeah, way. And like, that, I, yeah. I get it. Like, but there's definitely some truth to it. Oh, yeah. There really is like, yeah, So I was so invested because I was like, you know what? This is great because now I know I'm reassured that if I ever become president, I'll still have time to be a dad, just like Bill Pullman, just like Bill Pullman. And his daughter was one of the evil exes in Scott Pilgrim. Mm -hmm. That little girl grew up to be the one of the exes. Yeah. An evil ex. And and Bill Pullman uh, just made it look so easy that you could balance parenthood with being a president of the United States. And fight for your safety and also shows that even in the 90s people viewed politics as this nasty thing because they mm-hmm. show in the background like you know all these politicians are bashing like oh they elect the people elected a warrior but now he's a wimp or something yeah. like that it's like yeah. no matter what you do you cannot oh, yeah. win nothing's changed and he's trying to be like a great guy he's trying to look out for people and, and like use his heart is what they were getting at you know his policies of like trying to help people. And they're like, Oh, he's such a wimp or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's what you get. You know, when you think about people, Oh, you're weak, Mm -hmm. you're weak because you're not being, you know, strong and forceful enough or whatever. And that's just, uh, that's a whole other discussion. Oh yeah. That's a whole, it it did. It did stick out to me, the political commentary going Mm -hmm. on in the background. Like, yep, we would hear this kind of thing today. Feel that way today, but probably even worse. Oh yeah. It'd be way worse. 
So after all that, Whitmore orders evacuation at the targeted cities in the U.S., but it is too late. Each saucer fires a beam, incinerating every targeted city, killing millions. Whitmore, the Levinsons, and a few others escape aboard Air Force One, while Jasmine, Dylan, and their dog, Boomer, take shelter in a tunnel's inspection alcove, emerging once the destruction is over. Oh, That's one thing that hit me, too, yes. is post the blast. What they come out to, I was like, good Lord, the beam did not look that big and look at what it did well my first thought was thank god the dog survived because yeah. i can't handle a dead dog i'll never watch spoilers for uh what's that dog no uh, what's the will smith zombie movie oh i am legend i am legend spoilers if you haven't seen it it's actually a pretty great movie i'll never watch it again because, because of the, the whole scene where the dog dies i mm -hmm. can't do it so Thank God the dog survived. Good mm -hmm. job, Viviga A. Fox. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, imagine walking out and like. Your city's gone. A disaster. Like this has happened and everything is gone. And like, look, imagine the things that they probably saw, you know. That, that would normally not be like, they're not showing it on the movie, but they saw terrible things. Oh, yeah. Like they probably like dug through bodies and yeah. walked past bodies and people exactly. and and the smells were probably terrible like that's the things that they don't convey in in these type of things is you see this hollywood terrible tragedy but if this were real life you would be seeing nightmarish stuff stuff that would put this kid in therapy for years leading up to the beams going off and you know everything the the widespread panic mm -hmm. but there was also this division of you know, there's some people who were excited about it. Yeah. Um, they you just know, want to talk to us. They want to take what, us home. What would be your first thought if you turn on the news or you mm -mm. got an alert on your phone that said aliens were, were coming? Mm -mm. I would say, okay, nine times out of 10, this scenario is bad. I know what my first thought would be. My first thought would be, oh my God, I hope they bring back Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> like anyone else should think but uh, it was another thing that sort of mirrored real life to me like if aliens were were to show up it'd be another thing that would cause division among people mm -hmm. just like it would be either should we should we fire at them or should we not should we communicate with them should we ignore them should we allow them in our airspace because they're illegal aliens <laughs> should we welcome them what are their <laughs> what are their orientations what do they eat are they vegetarians or meat what we'd fight over everything we could whose fault is it that they've shown up and it's your fault because your you fault. did this and that. because you did this and literally the aliens would just go you know what never mind <laughs> they'd be we're like roll, roll them up we're out <laughs> you all are good without us never mind on July 3rd, a counter counterattacks against the invaders are thwarted by the alien warships force fields. Each saucer launches a swarm of shielded fighters, which decimate the human fighter squadrons and military bases, including Captain Hillers. Hiller lures an enemy fighter into the Grand Canyon before ejecting from his plane, blinding the fighter using his parachute and causing the alien to crash in the Mojave Desert. He subdues the downed alien and flags down a convoy of refugees transporting an alien to Area 51 where Whitmore's group in Air Force One has landed. This is where we get that a pretty, a pretty key scene that everyone remembers. A, he loses his best friend. Harry Connick Jr.'s character mm -hmm. dies in this fight. Actually, he yeah. loses his entire squadron yeah. in the fight. But we get this moment where he's crashed and parachuted the aliens crashed he opens it he barefaced punch it knocks it out with, with one will smith right hook which now the alien and chris rock have in common they've bone both been right-handed i was by, wondering how we were going to work that in <laughs> they've both the been right-handed by will smith i'm not all your friends up right beside you 
what i call a close encounter and people are still talking about them both yes absolutely but but there's a line that's improv here there is yes indeed which which line is it well he's dragging the alien behind him and he's sort of complaining about his situation right now i could have been at a barbecue i'm supposed to be off today and what the hell is that smell (laughs) That was an improv line because they were filming where there was some sort of bog or something going on. And Will Smith just sort of improv that line and it totally works. And it gives the audience the idea that these aliens are really stinky. They stink. Uh, yeah. So yeah. It worked. It did work. I, lo- I love that stuff. I love when like an improv works or like that wasn't really supposed to happen, but we kept it. Well, apparently a lot of the Jeff Goldblum and uh, Judd Hirsch stuff was improv. I bet. Uh, we didn't talk about it because we just totally skipped over the actual like attack. That iconic scene or the, the shot of the aliens blowing up the White House. Yeah, and the helicopter trying to get out. That is one of the most memorable and I think most iconic images from this movie. You know, you've got mm-hmm. the speech and... You got welcome to earth and, Oh, I got to get me one of these. And then also the white house blown up. And that was, mm, yeah. I think the DVD that I got of it, that was the cover Yeah, was the white house being blown or the white house with the alien ship over it. But uh, when they filmed this, so they created obviously a model version of the white house. It was like 14 feet long or something. They only built two of them. And the day that they filmed the explosion, they like made it an event. Like they invited people to come watch and made a whole thing about it. Um, So just in case things went wrong, not to add to the pressure of the fact that there's a live audience watching, but they did have an extra one just in case, but they didn't need the extra one. It was a one and done thing. One, one take. So anyway, they, they had a whole live audience for it. And I think that's really cool. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, if you're going to blow up the white house, I hope, Secret Service isn't listening and thinking that I'm saying something no. bad. It's about a movie. It's a movie. Yeah, it's seriously, a movie. It's not real. Um, but if you're going to do that, yeah, you might as well invite people to watch it and make it a thing. Because how many times do you get to say that you do such a thing? Mm-hmm. Defense Secretary Albert Nimsicki, somewhat of the 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 bad suit of the movie, reveals that a government faction has been involved in a UFO conspiracy since 1947 when one of the invaders fighters crashed in Roswell area 51 houses the non-refurbished ship and three alien corpses recovered from the crash as chief scientist Dr. Brackish Oaken examines the aliens captured by Stephen it awakens telepathically invades Oaken's mind and launches a psychic attack against Whitmore before being killed by Secret Service agents and the military personnel. Whitmore reveals what he learned when they linked. The invaders planned to annihilate Earth inhabitants and harvest its natural resources, as they have already done to other planets. Because they're real bad guys. Yes. They threw that in, in there, and that's it's one of those things where a lot of people believe... Um, you know, there's this this whole belief that like there's truth in media, like some of these movies, these Hollywood execs, blah, 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 are putting certain things in movies because they're trying to actually tell us what's really happening. Right. But it's so outlandish that it's so fictional. There's right. a lot of people that believe out there that this was a moment that Hollywood was telling us. In 1947, there was a crash. This is why we have Area 51. But at the same time, why and how would Hollywood know such a thing? I don't know. I'm just going by the, the conspiracy theorists, man. Well, there's definitely a lot of people who do believe that there's uh, crazy things that happen at Area 51. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that there's been like uh, that there's uh, 
you know, like several miles of gated area around mm-hmm. it and like guarded all over. And if you get close to it, they come out all armed and, you know, back you out of there. So must be but some serious stuff. I would kind of also say is why. What are do you, you hiding? Re- do you remember like a couple of years ago there yeah, was we were we were going to storm area 51 yeah like oh this massive movement they couldn't we have stopped all of to them to know the truth i'm I, I would not have been storming area 51 no i i wouldn't I, i'll stay here and but watch i would have all. happily supported their their right to i would have uh tuned in after all the hard work was done and see yeah. what they had to say <laughs> and then like finally we know yeah yes i have been the proponent of this since day 1 <laughs> But but that's that's my question about the whole Area 51 thing is why? Why is it all blocked off? Like, what are we not allowed to know? Like that, that's that's the basis of it is something's going on in Area 51 that they don't want the public to know. Well, there's also this theory that like, I guess it's a theory. I've heard this somewhere, somehow that. There's a lot of stuff that the government or the powers that be or the whoever the case may be know stuff and they are trying to slowly put that information out there a little bit at a time because if the world knew everything there was to know there'd be widespread panic and it would yeah. completely disrupt like every you know all day-to-day function on the planet as every disaster movie has shown us yeah once it's all disseminated all at once, everyone loses their minds, which is, I think I, I agree. I think it's been slowly happening. Cause if you notice there's, there's so, been so much within the last few years of like, well, we can't deny that they're, they're not aliens. Like, yeah, that, this, that was unidentified. They're like slowly leaking all this stuff, but the last three years have sucked so bad for the world that we almost kind of been like at this point, I don't care. Cool. Aliens. Great. Y'all remember murder hornets? Y'all remember the <laughs> pandemic? <laughs> Y'all remember? So aliens. Sure. Why not? Y'all remember the tickle me Elmo shortage on black Friday in 1999. <laughs> Cause I do. I was there. Pepperidge farm remembers. <laughs> Y'all so... remember the Teletubbies that cussed in the nineties. Oh, I do. I do. so president Whitmore reluctantly authorizes a trial nuclear attack against a saucer above houston he's really hesitant because obviously this is going to do a lot of damage and if there are any survivors in the area this is uh not going to be good for them but unfortunately in a really well done scene when they shoot the missile and they think they've done damage and they're celebrating and then the poor guy in the tank has to come back and say nope negative negative because the ship is unharmed and then the city is completely destroyed so mm. now we've caused more damage uh things are not looking good for the human race well, and all the, the crazy thing about new- that is th- that they kind of gloss over in the dialogue is like some people may survive the nuclear attack you know maybe they're under but then houston becomes unlivable yeah for so long it's like they're still gonna die do they talk about this at all in the sequel like is that a factor not, no not houston or the nuclear they don't why talk about it not? why would you not i know that should have been a plot that should have been like and now we can live in houston again uh so because of the you know disaster that was this operation all the other subsequent nuclear atta- nuclear attacks are aborted hmm. jasmine and dylan commandeer a highway maintenance truck and rescue a handful of survivors, including the critically injured First Lady Marilyn Whitmore. Though Hiller rescues them and takes them to Area 51, Marilyn's injuries are too severe, and she dies after reuniting with her family. What a scene. Yeah. Is mommy sleeping now? Yeah, mommy's sleeping. That one's always tough to get through. So sad. That is. And think about being the president in this situation you've just witnessed the loss of countless citizens millions not just in your own country but all over the world Mm -hmm. um your wife just died the whole world is looking to you to lead and 
figure out a way to try to fight back this, you know, against this impossible, these impossible odds that, that, that you're yeah. against. He's got the, literally the weight of the world on his shoulders. In that because moment. that's also somewhat of a small commentary on how the world looks to the U S yeah. to lead. So far as we know, so far as we know, it's, 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 we are led to believe that we're led to believe that, but like, yeah, in this instance, France doesn't know what to do. England doesn't know what to do. So they're like, well, I don't know what we're going to do. So it's up to Whitmore and his his brain trust, I guess, to figure out how we're going to lead against these this entity that has has invaded. I would be pooping my pants. Yeah. If I were him. I have issues uh, ordering at restaurants. Like I have to like go last and some, and, and mostly I have to, I end up like copying somebody out of comfortability. I get stressed ordering from a menu. It starts to work its way around the table. They order, then they order. And I'm like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. What do I get? What do I get? Well, so Tyler, I would not be able to do this. This is why I did not write you in for president when I voted in the last election. <laughs> that was probably smart. Because in the event that we are attacked uh, by aliens and facing annihilation. I would not know what to do. And before we go into battle, we go to Bob Evans to <laughs> order a nice hearty breakfast. And they ask you what you want. And you get all choked up. Then, you know, then what are we going to do? Once they're freaking out, the whole thing would be moot. Be like, well, now we're not going to be able to save the planet because I don't know which biscuits I want. Oh, so cameo alert. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone, there's an Area 51 technician who's falling asleep on his keyboard there. Mm -hmm. And um, Jeff Goldblum's character goes up to him, wakes him up or whatever. That is uh, the man who later plays Martin on The Office the character who is in the episode, the convict, yes. the one who went to prison, whatever, and then everyone thinks it was awesome. It had to be better than working in the office. Yeah. Michael does his prison uh, Mike, prison Mike gimmick. The Dementors, ha- we're going and, crazy. And Kevin has this whole thing that we just gloss over. He's like, I had Martin explain it to me multiple times because it sounds like something I'm doing to this company. <laughs> <laughs> and we never address that again. The fact that he's also doing insider training. One day, one day we will do an episode of The Office. Yes, multiple episodes. We are in the final act. On July 4th, Independence Day, taking inspiration from his father, David writes a computer virus from his laptop to disrupt the alien shield's operating system and devises a plan to upload it into into the the mothership and then they can just they can they can you know do 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 your thing take them take them down take them out yeah 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 and from the refurbished alien fighter with hiller volunteers to pilot the u.s military contracts surviving airborne squadrons from around the world through morse code to organize a united counteroffensive Lacking pilots, Whitmore and General William Gray enlist volunteers with flight experience, including Russell Case, from the refugee camp at the base to fly the remaining jets at Area 51. Whitmore leads an attack on a saucer bearing down on the base, overseen by Gray. So Russell Case gets a chance at revenge. So in my research, I learned that the original ending uh, for Russell's character was that he was going to get into his crop duster airplane with a missile strapped to it and fly himself into battle, knowing that he would not make it back. Mm. Um, apparently the test audiences loved the movie. Everything worked, everything hit except for that. That took it. That took them out of it. Yes. Of all the things. So they went back, they rethought it, and what they came up with was what we got, which I think was a lot better. Because mm-hmm. in that sense of the, the case, like Russell did not know that he was not going to come back. You know, mm-hmm. he makes this decision in that moment 
to do the heroic thing yeah. and sacrifice himself or whatever. Um, yeah. So it makes it mean that much more. Oh, yeah. It makes it a lot more powerful moment. Yeah. Uh, I would have to agree with the test audience. The the ridiculousness that it would look with all these jets fire fighting these alien and then all of a sudden this old red duster plane, yeah. no cockpit, no protection for Russell, just flies way slower than any of the things out there with a missile attached to it. Um, plus, it probably would have been a little ridiculous. He would have still died. Like he still would have looked like a joke, yeah. you know, in that actual plane, the armed military plane, it shows you like, no, he is a good pilot he's and he does know what he's doing and he's yeah. talented and he's a hero. Um, so yeah. take that dudes, redneck dudes from the yeah. diner. Take that. And it really like kind of echoes Han showing up and save and saving Luke for the yeehaw because Pullman's about to get shot down and all of a sudden there's da, 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 da. I'm here, Mr. President shooting down the alien craft that was chasing the president mm-hmm. like that. Echo, that was that had to be like, you remember that time when Han shoots at Vader and it helps Luke? Let's kind of give them that same moment right here, but let's give it to Randy Quaid. <laughs> this is the scene with the legendary top five best speeches in all of movies by bill pullman good morning in less than an hour aircraft from here will join others from around the world and you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind mankind that, that word, word should have, have new meaning, meaning for all of us today, today. we can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. To exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Even now, freaking chills. Like, I've got goose pimples all down my arms. What a well speech. Holy cow. That is oh, good stuff. Gosh, that's good stuff. Every time I hear it. Fantastic. I mean, it just like, amps you up. Like, I was I, ready to fight the aliens. I did exactly what I was going to say. I was like, man, put me in a plane. Let's go. Let's rock and roll, baby. I've played Star Fox. I could take them down. I can do a barrel roll between this awesome speech. Uh, Hiller marries Jasmine with David and Constance in attendance before leaving on the mission, entering the mothership. They upload the virus and deploy a nuclear missile, destroying it and the aliens invading forces with the shields deactivated. Whitmore squadron engages the fighters, but exhausts the ammunition before managing to destroy the saucer. me a favor. Tell my children I love them very much. All right, you alien assholes. In the words of my generation, up yours! Dad, what's he doing? Come on, baby. Come on, baby, come on. As the saucer prepares to fire on the base, Russell sacrifices himself by crashing into the saucer's primary weapon before it fires, destroying the warship. Mm. 
Resistance groups worldwide are notified at the spaceship's critical weakness and provide to destroy the, uh, the others. As humans rejoice, Hiller and Levison reunite with their families. Get on the horn. Tell the rest of the world how to take down these sons of bitches. That's what Robert Loja says. And victory. We win. Man, they got wins. the victory cigars. Oh, so poor, uh, poor Jeff Goldblum had a really hard time filming the scene with the cigar. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't get it going. So there was like a production assistant or somebody around who had to like smoke the cigar, get it started, get it going for him. And then he could kind of do it. So he, he looked like a natural eventually like the part when they come back and they're walking through the desert in the crash ship. Like, yeah, that's right. We saved the world. And his dad's like, so, so this, this is healthy. This is healthy. I, I can get, get used to, to it. Jeff Goldblum is so funny. He basically like, like he's ahead of the joke. Yeah. Like he knows. He's he's ahead of it. He's been ahead of it his entire life. He was a handsome devil in 1996. What a damn stud he was. He was. I never really thought much about it, but I was like, damn, he's a handsome man. He, he is. Great. He is. I mean, even now for 60-something years old, however old he is, he's a, he's a good-looking guy. But like, damn, he was a stud back then. Like, he was kind of ripped, too. Yeah. When they're walking through the desert and he's just glistening with sweat and like all ragged, I was like, Goldblum's kind of sexy. All right. All right, okay. Jeffrey. Jeff. <sighs> then you get exquisite sexy Goldblum in the sequel. He's like older, you know. And then there's like this like reunion thing. It's like beautiful. And, and he's like, didn't I promise? Didn't I tell you you'd have fireworks? Because the ships are blowing up and it's like the end. But like there's this feeling of like. uh david and constance getting back together because she's like all excited and like hugs him and holds his hand and like they kiss or whatever she's nowhere in the sequel no discussion about her no mention of her nothing i just think that's a that's a crazy really yeah nothing uh, see i don't remember much about it yeah except that the little boy is the the the, the pilot yeah and they said boy. that uh, Will Smith's character died in a test test when a ship like flew into a wall. Yep, there's a whole base named after him. There's a picture of him and his son, stepson, receives an award in his honor and he's like heading up his own squadron now. And there's a Hemsworth in the movie. Yeah, was it Liam? Yeah. Not and the cool Hemsworth. The president's daughter character comes back, but it's not the mm -hmm. same actress. Not the same even actress. Even though she totally could have done it. Yeah, she absolutely could have done it. No. Yeah, neither of the child actors came back. It's it's not terrible. It's not like I said, it's not a Ghostbusters afterlife, but by no means is it fantastic. Uh it's just a guilty pleasure sequel. I think I will probably give it another shot just because we've uh, been researching this one mm -hmm. and everything. And I enjoyed watching it so much. So I'll give it a shot. But it may be the last time. So what are your top takeaways from this movie? Like, you're just like, if someone's like tomorrow, it's like, let's talk Independence Day. What are you talking to them about? I would probably tell them, uh, did you know? that the explosion of the little core part of the mothership, that special effect mm -hmm. was the same exact special effect that they used for the uh, explosion of the empire state building earlier on when the alien ship is right over it and the beam mm -hmm. goes down, blows it up. That's literally the same uh, shot, but for the alien ship, they took the image, flipped it upside down. It's the same. Wow. I also heard from somewhere that the sound of the laser coming out or the thing exploding or something, they took James Brown's scream at the beginning of I feel good. Wow. <laughs> they took that and like edited it and sped it up or whatever and changed the pitch. And that's the sound <laughs> that they use. Watch me. <laughs> uh, no, I would tell them that stuff, but my biggest takeaway is, um, 
you know how some movies maybe you don't know but i'm going to tell you some movies you love as a kid and you watch them as an adult and they don't hold up and it's kind of like oh this like is never crazy. ending story exactly but some of them you appreciate far more when you're mm-hmm. an adult and when you have certain life experiences under your belt um and i encourage people to if there was a movie that you liked when you were younger and i'm not talking about like sesame street or you know matilda or brave little toaster maybe matilda but certain movies you know like that you know it's not really for kids it's really for adults whatever watch it as an adult Mm -hmm. and um see how you view it differently and what you notice about it that you didn't before because i had a great time watching independence day for the first time in probably seven or eight years or however long um and i just think it's great yeah me too i would probably if someone was like let's talk independence day i would say well sit down because i'm going to do the whole script for you right now i might miss a few but I could probably quote about 90% of it, the script, still today, which I did. Even the awkward even the awkward scene with the first lady and Vivica A. Fox when she tells her she's a stripper. Sorry. An exotic dancer. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm not. My yeah. baby's worth it. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> she says I'm a dancer. Ah, ballet. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope not quite close madam president <laughs> madam <laughs> first lady but uh, a little off oh god i have to call my mother why did i just god. send my mother to atlanta <laughs> david but i would probably think that there'd be an alien ship over atlanta too that's a yep. very highly populated city nashville would probably have one yeah Right over the Batman building. Yeah, right over Batman building. But if they were smart, they would go to Oak Ridge. God, that would destroy the entire Southeast. It'd be a lot. They could kill a lot of birds with one stone. Yeah. Or one One James Brown script. There you go. Hey, watch me. Ow. Wow. Um, I would also uh, talk about the... uh, the fact that there's there's this well done balance in this movie of yes there's stakes there's these high stakes of like annihilation but there's also these like comedy moments that are just golden just especially like I said between david and his dad mm-hmm. just golden comedy moments we didn't we talked a little bit about you know when brent spiner's character is uh, psych- psychically attacked by one of the aliens, which that is also a thing that you're just like, oh, they don't speak. It's Release all, me. it's all psychonetically is how they communicate with each other, and you use them as a puppet. Is is the intensity of this moment where, where you get this moment where like Oaken's talking about all the stuff happening like in the last few hours, and he says the last few hours have been really exciting. And Pullman's like, exciting! Mm-hmm. People have died! And, like, yeah. and, and that's just that whole like balance of like, yes, for these people who have been underground and barely see the light of day they don't working let us on these out aliens, much. it would probably be very exciting for them. And like, it just goes to show like, wow, that, that, it's just like... It's, yeah, yeah, it's like one of those things where you've been holding on to a big secret for a really long time and you can't say anything about it until everybody else knows. And now they all know, so you can, we can uh, just talk really, all about it. Yeah. We can talk all about it now. Now everyone knows. We can talk about it and it's exciting. Like, yeah, but billions are dead now. I'd be like, pump your brakes, Mr. President. Let's some of those, in that. some of those millions are on you with your Houston decision. Oh. <laughs> Poor guy. I didn't like the Astros either, but come on. But dang. <laughs> but uh, I, I got to say, man, like I'll probably watch it again sometime this week just because it's the 4th of July. It's just something I do every year and probably watch it again in a few months. It's just one of those movies that I can veg out and turn on and quote with in the background. Yeah. 
I thoroughly enjoy this movie. It's still uh, one of those top, like, I love Independence Day. And I'm sure there are people out there who think it's absolutely insane and stupid and silly and was awful then and it's awful now. But those people don't matter because they're wrong. They're wrong. I mean, you're entitled to be wrong. It's America. It's it's, That's their freedom, baby. You are allowed to have your wrong opinion. Absolutely. Final thoughts. Anything else, Juice? Uh, Happy Independence Day. Absolutely. Go watch the movie Independence Day. Happy America Day. And be safe out there. Be kind to yourself. Kind to your neighbors. Uh, Don't burn your hand off or shoot your eye out with a bottle rocket. Please. Be safe. Be kind. And as always, cheers to you. Uh, uh, uh. Yes, cheers. Cheers. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There once were two dudes who met back in college. Nobody loved pop culture more. So they started a podcast to talk all about it. And 30 and nerdy was born. Oh, 30 and nerdy was born. You might hear them chat about shows like The Witcher or movies like Lord of the Rings. And if Josh has to choose, he is loyal to Marvel while Tyler goes more for DC. Yes, Tyler goes more for DC. Now come, come, one and all, nerd up or shut up, just answer the call to be part of our journey into magical worlds. Join us and cheers to ya nerds. Join us and cheers to ya nerds.